This is day 37 of our daily Bible reading. Today we will read Numbers chapters 28 through 31 and Psalm 37. Lord Heavenly Father, we come before your throne today humbly, humbly seeking your face, humbly seeking a word of hope and of peace. We know, Lord, that you are all wise, you are all powerful. There's nothing beyond your ability. And nothing is impossible for you. We are so finite, Lord. We know that we are so hopeless and lost without you. And without your guiding hand, even for a moment, we would be lost forever. And if you ever took your eye off us for one second, we would cease to exist. And we would be without your strength and hope. But we thank you, Lord, for being a faithful God that rules over his creation and is active all the time. Thank you for being such a good example for us to follow in the world today. Please bless the reading of your word. May it refresh our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be careful to present my offering, my food for my offerings by fire, of a soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. You shall say to them, This is the offering by fire which you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs, one year old without defect, as a continual burnt offering every day. You shall offer the one lamb in the morning, and the one lamb you shall offer at twilight. Also, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering, mixed with a fourth of a hin of beaten oil. It is a continual burnt offering which was ordained in Mount Sinai as a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Then the drink offering with it shall be a fourth of a hin for each lamb. In the holy place you shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, As the grain offering of the morning, and as its drink offering, you shall offer it, an offering by fire, a soothing aroma to the Lord. Then on the Sabbath day, two male lambs, one year old, without defect, and two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, in addition to the continual burnt offering and its drink offering. Then at the beginning of each of your months, you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls and one ram, seven male lambs, one year old without defect, and three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering for each bull, and two-tenths of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering for the one ram, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering for each lamb, for a burnt offering of a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Their drink offerings shall be half a hin of wine for a bull, and a third of a hin for the ram, and a fourth of a hin for the lamb. This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year and one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. 
It shall be offered with its drink offering in addition to the continual burnt offering. Then on the fourteenth day of the first month shall be the Lord's Passover. On the fifteenth day of this month shall be a feast. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. You shall present an offering by fire, a burnt offering to the Lord. Two bulls and one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old, having them without defect. For their grain offering, you shall offer fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for a bull, and two-tenths for the ram. A tenth of an ephah you shall offer for each of the seven lambs, and one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall present these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a continual burnt offering. After this manner, you shall present daily, for seven days, the food of the offering by fire, of a soothing aroma to the Lord. It shall be presented with its drink offering, in addition to the continual burnt offering. On the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. Also, on the day of the first fruits, when you present a new grain offering to the Lord in your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. You shall offer a burnt offering for a soothing aroma to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, and their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for the one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering, you shall present them with their drink offerings. They shall be without defect. Now in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall also have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It will be to you a day for blowing trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old, without defect. Also, their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Offer one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering, and the continual burnt offering and its grain offering, and their drink offerings, according to their ordinance, for a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Then, on the tenth day of this seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall humble yourselves. You shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a soothing aroma. One bull, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, having them without defect and their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, 
a tenth for each of the seven lambs, one male goat for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement, and the continual burnt offering, and its grain offering, and their drink offerings. Then on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work, and you shall observe a feast to the Lord for seven days. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering by fire as a soothing aroma to the Lord, thirteen bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old, which are without defect, and their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and a tenth for each of the fourteen lambs, and one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. Then on the second day, twelve bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings. Then on the third day, eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. Then on the fourth day, ten bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old without defect, their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. Then on the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offering, and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance and one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. Then on the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. Then on the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs, one year old without defect, and their grain offering, and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance, and one male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the eighth day, you shall have a solemn assembly. You shall do no laborious work. 
but you shall present a burnt offering, an offering by fire, as a soothing aroma to the Lord. One bull, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, without defect, their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bull, for the ram, and for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance. And one male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. You shall present these to the Lord at your appointed times, besides your votive offerings and your free will offerings, for your burnt offerings and for your grain offerings and for your drink offerings and for your peace offerings. Moses spoke to the sons of Israel in accordance with all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord, or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Also, if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by an obligation in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and her obligation by which she has bound herself, and her father says nothing to her, then all her vows shall stand, and every obligation by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father should forbid her on the day he hears of it, none of her vows or her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will forgive her because her father had forbidden her. However, if she should marry while under her vows or the rash statement of her lips by which she has bound herself, and her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day he hears it, then her vows shall stand and her obligations by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if on the day her husband hears of it, he forbids her, then he shall annul her vow which she is under and the rash statement of her lips by which she has bound herself, and the Lord will forgive her. But the vow of a widow or of a divorced woman, everything by which she has bound herself shall stand against her. However, if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an obligation with an oath, and her husband heard it but said nothing to her and did not forbid her, then all her vows shall stand, and every obligation by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband indeed annuls them on the day he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning the obligation of herself shall not stand. Her husband has annulled them, and the Lord will forgive her. Every vow and every binding oath to humble herself, her husband may confirm it, or her husband may annul it. But if her husband indeed says nothing to her from day to day, then he confirms all her vows, or all her obligations, which are on her. He has confirmed them, because he said nothing to her on the day he heard them. 
But if he indeed annuls them after he has heard them, then he shall bear her guilt. These are the statutes which the Lord commanded Moses, as between a man and his wife, and as between a father and his daughter, while she is in her youth in her father's house. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take full vengeance for the sons of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm men from among you for the war, that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were furnished from the thousands of Israel a thousand from each tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. Moses sent them a thousand from each tribe to the war, and Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, to the war with them, and the holy vessels and the trumpet for the alarm in his hand. So they made war against Midian, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed every male. They killed the kings of Midian along with the rest of their slain, Yavi and Rechem and Zur and Hur and Ribah, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. The sons of Israel captured the women of Midian and their little ones, and all their cattle and all their flocks and all their goods they plundered. Then they burned all their cities where they lived and all their camps with fire. They took all the spoil and all the prey, both of man and of beast. They brought the captives and the prey and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the sons of Israel, to the camp at the plains of Moab, which are by the Jordan opposite Jericho. Moses and Eleazar the priest and all the leaders of the congregation went out to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, who had come from service in the war. And Moses said to them, Have you spared all the women? Behold, these caused the sons of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore, kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman who has known man intimately. But all the girls who have not known man intimately, spare for yourselves. And you, camp outside the camp seven days. Whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves, you and your captives, on the third day and on the seventh day. You shall purify for yourself every garment and every article of leather and all the work of goat's hair and all articles of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men of war who had gone to battle, This is the statute of the law which the Lord has commanded Moses. Only the gold and the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, 
and the lead. Everything that can stand the fire, you shall pass through the fire, and it shall be clean. But it shall be purified with water for impurity. But whatever cannot stand the fire, you shall pass through the water. And you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean. And afterward you may enter the camp. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You and Eleazar the priest and the heads of the father's households of the congregation take a count of the booty that was captured, both of man and of animal, and divide the booty between the warriors who went out to battle and all the congregation. Levy a tax for the Lord from the men of war who went out to battle, one in five hundred of the persons and of the cattle and of the donkeys and of the sheep. Take it from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest as an offering to the Lord. From the sons of Israel's half, you shall take one drawn out of every fifty of the persons, of the cattle, of the donkeys, and of the sheep, from all the animals, and give them to the Levites, who keep charge of the tabernacle of the Lord. Moses and Eleazar the priest did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the booty that remained from the spoil which the men of war had plundered was 675,000 sheep and 72,000 cattle and 61,000 donkeys. And of human beings, of the women who had not known man intimately, all the persons were 32,000. The half, the portion of those who went out to war, was as follows. The number of sheep was 337,500, and the Lord's levy of the sheep was 675, and the cattle were 36,000, from which the Lord's levy was 72, and the donkeys were 30,500, from which the Lord's levy was 61, and the human beings were 16,000, from whom the Lord's levy was 32 persons. Moses gave the levy, which was the Lord's offering, to Eleazar the priest, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. As for the sons of Israel's half, which Moses separated from the men who had gone to war, now the congregation's half was 337,500 sheep and 36,000 cattle and 30,500 donkeys, and the human beings were 16,000. And from the sons of Israel's half, Moses took one drawn out of every fifty, both of man and of animals, and gave them to the Levites, who kept charge of the tabernacle of the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then the officers who were over the thousands of the army, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, approached Moses. And they said to Moses, Your servants have taken a census of men of war who are in our charge, and no man of us is missing. So we have brought as an offering to the Lord what each man found, articles of gold, armlets, and bracelets, 
signet rings, earrings, and necklaces, to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. Moses and Eleazar the priest took the gold from them, all kinds of wrought articles. All the gold of the offering which they offered up to the Lord, from the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, was 16,750 shekels. The men of war had taken booty, every man for himself. So Moses and Eleazar the priest took the gold from the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and brought it to the tent of meeting as a memorial for the sons of Israel before the Lord. Psalm 37, a Psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow, to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart, and their bows will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish, like smoke they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, 
or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord, and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked, violent man, spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright, for the man of peace will have a posterity. But transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them, because they take refuge in him. Okay, another reading done. Let's briefly examine what's going on in Numbers, but I want to spend most of our time in that beautiful psalm that we read today. In chapter 28, we see God once again recapping some regulations about sacrifices and certain festivals that were restated from other chapters. And the reason why he's repeating himself is not only to make sure that they understand what is expected, but bear in mind that this is at the end of the 40-year wandering in the desert. The first generation of people have died off, and now we have the second generation, the ones that were children coming out of Egypt that are now the grown-ups. And so, as the grown-ups, they need to make sure that they obey all of God's laws. So, he is reminding the new generation of what is expected from him. And so, he gives, in chapters 28 and 29, a list of regulations as to what kind of burnt offerings, what kind of drink offerings, what days you should not have any work on, what festivals need to be observed, all these different things that are expected from the people. Then we come to chapter 30, which talks about a very important topic, which is about making vows, or solemn promises, or oaths to the Lord. This is a big deal, and back then, that's how people would confirm things. They didn't have written contracts or things like that in these days. Everything was done by verbal agreement, and a man's words were legally binding. And so, in this case, making vows was a very serious business. But the reason why I'm mentioning this as being something serious 
is because we so flippantly make vows to God, or we use his name when making vows. For example, one classic way we know people are lying is when you approach them about something and they're trying to defend themselves, they're trying to double down on their lies, and what do they say? I swear to God that I have not done this thing. And then what they have done is made a legally binding oath to the Lord, using his name and adding his responsibility to that. By doing that, you have trapped yourself. And we need to be careful not to be like this. Making vows is a serious business in God's economy. He takes them very seriously, and we are either going to be honoring him through them, or we are going to curse ourselves through them. So Jesus says that it is better that you don't make any oath at all, especially the ones that you know that you can't keep. Let me give you an example, and it's a silly example, but I hope it illustrates the point that is being made here. Think about New Year's, right? Think about the New Year's resolutions that we make for ourselves. This year, I am going to eat better. I am going to lose a bunch of weight. I'm going to quit smoking, drinking, whatever it's going to be, right? They are lofty goals, usually. They're not things that are easily attainable, usually. And so give it a couple months, and most people are going to abandon their New Year's resolution. Well, what if at the beginning of the year, you make all these promises and resolutions under the name of God? Think, Lord, I commit to you today that I am going to lose weight and do this and do that and do that. Well, if we see how God handles the vows in this day, and God doesn't change, then he handles vows the same way today. By using his name on this oath, you are making it a legally binding oath between you and God. And if you fail on that oath, there will be consequences, most likely. I know this from personal experience, because there was a period of time, actually not too long ago, where I vowed to the Lord that I was going to change some behaviors in my life. And quite frankly, I broke that vow within a couple of weeks. And while I haven't seen anything huge happen that is an obvious punishment, I have seen that things have been more difficult for me in certain arenas. I have been restricted in some ways. I have not been blessed in certain areas of my life. And I know that this is a result of my foolishness. I am very much aware of my stupidity when I made such a lofty vow that I probably knew I couldn't keep. We have to be careful not to be like this. As you can see, these are binding oaths. God takes these very seriously. Therefore, we need to not be so quick to make vows or promises or covenants with God, especially if we can't keep them. These are big deals, and so we need to be very careful with that. Then in chapter 31, there's a change of pace here where God now tells the people that you are going to go to war against Midian. Why? 
because they were the ones that corrupted Israel a few chapters ago. Right after Balaam blessed Israel, what did we see happen? We see the Israelites mingle with the Midianite women, and they lead the people astray into idolatry with Baal. And so God enacts a plague against them and is angry with Israel. So now the Lord is saying, it is time to take full vengeance. You are going to completely wipe them out. They are going to be what is called under the ban. And what this means is that everything that God designates needs to be completely, utterly destroyed. And in this case, it is all the males, it is all the females that were involved in this idolatry, all the females that belonged to a man, as well as all the young boys. Some of that is a little hard to hear, I know. Sometimes it's hard to digest why God would allow the slaughter of children. But he's doing it for a reason. He's doing it because of the idolatry and the evil practices of these people. He does not want that to be carried over into Israel. He wants them to remain pure and holy in his sight. So that's why all the males had to be slaughtered, young and old, as well as all the females who were not virgins. They will endanger Israel by being allowed to grow up among the Israelites and influence them once again in the evil ways. But did you notice, among the people who were killed, there was a familiar name in the midst of that. In verse 8, It mentions the names of the kings that were killed. And then it says that Balaam was there, and he was killed too. Wait a minute, why is he there? Why is he in their midst? Well, as we'll soon discover, it says that Balaam was the one that caused these women of Midian to influence Israel. So even though he pronounced all these blessings, he acted somewhat in obedience to God, when summoned by Balak, his heart was very much divided. He craved the lusts of the world more than the things of God. And this is where he ended up. He ended up in the midst of the conflict because he was reveling in all the earthly material things that made him happy. It wasn't God that he ultimately honored. It was himself. And because of that, it ruined him. And when we compare that to Psalm 37, it makes so much sense, right? There are no coincidences with God. And now we can label Balaam as an evildoer. He used the name of God, but he was not an invested prophet. He was not willing to surrender all things to his God. Therefore, he was utterly destroyed. He was an evildoer. And the evildoers had their fun for a while, but then at the end, they will not prosper and they will not last. That's what happened with Balaam. And there is certainly a lesson that we can learn from this. This is a perfect example of someone with divided allegiance. Here is someone who claimed to be a prophet or oracle of God, but yet reveled in the lust and materialism of the day. We cannot be that. We cannot be one foot in the world, one foot in God. Because how does God see it? It's either all or nothing. 
If you are not for him, you are against him. Being in love with the world is enmity towards God. He hates that. And so we cannot pick the world over God, or we will end up destroyed. And we can't have both things. If we do, God will reject that. Because whatever it is we're propping up in our hearts is competing with God. And God is supreme in all things. And he will not share his throne with sin. So the Israelites go to war against Midian. They slaughter the people that were involved. And they plundered so much stuff. So when they brought back the plunder, not only did they divide up the spoils between the warriors and the people, but they also left some aside for the priests and for the Levites, since they get a tithe of sorts. And then it talks about how, at the end, the military men came to Moses and said, we want to thank God for what he did in this battle. Because we went out there with 12,000 men, 1,000 from each tribe, and we all came back. Not a single one of us was killed in battle. And we want to thank God for that. So here is a bunch of gold articles that we collected from the spoils. So here they are. This is our offering to God as a thank you. And may it be for the tabernacle. And so the total it says that they brought was 16,750 shekels, which is approximately 190 kilos. Or if you're an American like me, that's a little over 420 pounds. That's a lot of gold. All of that was donated to the tabernacle as a thank you for everything God did. Personally, that was very beautiful to see. They recognized whose hand was at play there. They recognized who really was in charge of that war. And they gave God the glory. And that is excellent. We need to be the same way in the small victories in our lives as well. Give God the glory. He deserves it. He's the one who orchestrated it. He needs all the honor and glory for himself. And then we come to a very beautiful, powerful psalm. Psalm 37. Even though he says it in verse 25, knowing that this is David speaking here, you can tell that this is an older David. This is the one who has been battle-seasoned, the one who has gone through all the different struggles of life. This is the same David who we read previous psalms of him, where he is struggling against enemies, struggling with depression, struggling with abandonment issues, all these different emotions and fears that this man has. But when you get here, it's a completely different tone, right? It's as if he's finally figured it out, or reflecting upon his past, he recognized where God was the whole time. And from the lessons that he learned himself, he wants the next generation to learn from what he learned. He wants to spare the next generation from the issues that he had, the doubts that he had, the failures that he encountered, the issues that he caused on himself. He wants to make sure the next generation does not repeat his mistakes. 
So here he gives multiple instructions of deep wisdom. And in some ways, they're proverbial, which reminds me of his son Solomon. Must run in the family then. And out of here, there are several verses that we can use for memorization today. But take some time to really study this psalm. There is so much in here to look at and learn about how to interact with God, as well as how we are to handle the people in this world. This is the same David who was always worried about being rescued from evildoers. And this is what his ultimate conclusion was. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. God will utterly destroy the wicked from this land. They will not last. They will have eternal separation from God because of what they've done. It may hurt for a moment, but if we look long-term, we look toward eternity, what truly matters is how we live today, how we live in obedience to God, in service to God, and seeking his counsel and his truth and his peace and his grace. There are many instructions that are also in this psalm, right? Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. All these different instructions that he gives us here. These are indeed actionable steps for living a godly life. Then he goes into detail about the nature of evildoers and how to handle them and ultimately what God does with them and us. So yes, excellent scripture to read here. I would recommend reading it a few times over and digest some of the things that stand out to you. There are several verses that I highlighted in my Bible that stood out to me, and the list is going to continue to grow. But I highly recommend learning this. This is how we live in a godly way. Trust in the Lord in everything, and you will find that he will never disappoint. So, our scripture today is going to be verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And with that, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.